Hey, it's Mistress Carrie reporting for duty from MCHQ for episode 89 of the Mistress Carrie podcast. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Digital Federal Credit Union, better known by all of us by now as simply DCU. Today, every dollar counts, and DCU understands that, and they've got ways to help your money work harder for you. Like, say you love your car, but you don't love your car and auto loan. You can refinance with DCU, and that could put you back in the driver's seat with a lower monthly payment. They offer the same low rates to their members for new and used vehicles. And you can find out what DCU could mean to you and your car and auto loan when you refinance. All you got to do to get more information is visit DCU.org. Refinance your car and auto loan with DCU at DCU.org. All right, before we get to this week's episode, I want to send some love to some of those that have Mistress Carrie backstage passes on Patreon. A Mistress Carrie backstage pass is super easy to get. And it gives you tons of bonus content, pictures, blog posts, discounted coupons for the online Mistress Carrie store, a monthly exclusive live stream. You can submit questions for podcast interviews, get access to free concert tickets, and so much more. So a big hello to Christy, Julia, Michael, Brianna, Danielle, Jen, Wendy, Peter, Donna, and Kim. And to get more details on the Mistress Carrie Backstage Pass, go to patreon.com slash mistresscarrie or click the link at mistresscarrie.com. Okay, I'm super excited about my guest this week because this is his second appearance on the Mistress Carrie Podcast. Way back on October 21st of 2020, we got to meet Aaron Jones for the first time. Long before his album Child of the State came out, long before the Seattle Kraken started using his music in the arena, and long before he started dominating the rock charts nationwide. Aaron Jones is a songwriter, singer, and guitar player from Seattle, and we had an absolute blast on episode 20 of the Mistress Carrie podcast. Well, this is episode 89, and we thought it was about time to reconnect with Aaron and find out what the last year and a half of his crazy life have been like, what the success of his album Child of the State has meant, how it's felt to actually get back out on the road and perform in front of crowds, and how he's managing his life with not one, but now two small kids at home. And I happened to catch up with Aaron while he was in the car on his way to the airport to fly to Paris, which was totally fitting because we did the interview on Valentine's Day. Ah, I absolutely love Aaron and I love his music. And if you missed episode 20, definitely go back and listen to it. But allow me to introduce you once again to Aaron Jones. Hey, what's up? This is Sully from Godsmack. Strap on those boots, baby, because you are now in the trenches of the war room with the one and only Mistress Carrie right here on the Mistress Carrie podcast. What's up? This is Joe Rogan, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. I have so lovely pretty eyes. Hey, this is Brent from Shinedown, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. Hey, Carrie, go put your brow on, girl. Hey, this is Steven Tyler, and you'll be listening to the baddest bitch in Boston, Mistress Carrie. What's up? This is Aaron from Stan. And you're listening to Mistress Carrie. Hi, everybody. This is Dave Grohl from the Foo Fighters, and you're listening to the one, the only, Mistress Carrie. Hey, this is David from the band Disturbed, and you're listening to the baddest bitch in Boston, Mistress Carrie. Hi, Bruce Dickinson here from Iron Maiden. Yes, indeed. Miss Whiplash herself, Mrs. Carrie, is here to um, unchain your brain. Hi, this is Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. This is Dennis Leary. 
You are listening to my favorite, Mistress Carrie. Hey, this is Corey from Stone Sour, and you're listening to, you have the privilege of listening to Mistress Carrie. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Mr. Jones. Miss Carrie, how are you? I am fantastic. Happy Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day to you, too. What are you doing? Oh, I'm on my way to Paris right now. We're at head to the airport. Got some work to do in Paris for a couple of days and then head back. We'll like kind of turn a short turnaround. The city of love on Valentine's yeah. Day. Yeah, that's right. That's right. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. I've been trying to keep up with myself, man. Stay healthy and you know keep my energy up. But it's, it's been a lot of work, man. You know, it's been a, a lot of really great things happening. But with that comes a lot of a big workload. So, you know, I'm trying to keep up with myself. The, the first time you and I met, we talked on episode 20 which was back in October of 2020. The record hadn't come out yet. Your life has changed so much. Yeah. <laughs> How are you holding up with all of this? Because it's like you got shot out of a cannon. I know. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, I've, I've been doing good, man. I mean, for the most part, you know, like, um, I think the, the transition from where I was then to now, the most difficult part is just like realizing who you are to other people. Like a rock star versus, you know, living, living dad and, and husband life. You know, it's been, that's been like most difficult balance, I think, to try to figure out. But other than that, but I'm doing really great. When you and I met, you were getting ready to release and were working on Child of the State. And when you're trying to release an album like that and introduce yourself, um, there's always a lot of uncertainty. Are you surprised by the reaction that the record has gotten so far? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm always, like, really nervous before I drop anything. I'm always, like, self-doubting myself. Like, am I who they say that I am? You know, <laughs> that kind of stuff. But um, So, so when, when it came out, I was definitely shocked and surprised that it, it, it received such a warm welcome and, like, that people have taken to it so well. I mean, even even the, the iHeartRadio thing was, was a bit of a shock for me, you know. So it's, it's, all been, it's all been a shock for me this year. You got nominated for Best New Artist at the uh, iHeartRadio Awards, which are going to be given out next month. So you could win a massive award, too. Or is that a curse yeah. to win a Best New Artist thing? Or is that just a Grammy? Yeah. That, man, you know, I, I think it's weird because I, I, I've been asked this question before. The Grammys have nothing to do with the work you put in, you know. The Grammys have everything to do with, like, your um, your artistry. Like, you are you paying respect to the art? Um, at the highest level, are you know, in your, are your peers able to to look at your work and say this is really truly the the torchbearer of the art? Whereas like the iHeartRadio Music Awards, the Billboard Awards are, are purely based off of your numbers. So I think for me, being being a big radio kid, this is probably a bigger deal right now than the Grammys. Um, and not to say in the future the Grammys may be a bigger deal, but right now, as a person who's been putting all my work in the radio, it's a really big deal to be nominated. You know? When you're watching your songs climb up the rock chart the way that they did, which was not a surprise to me because when I heard the record the first time, I was like, oh my God, this album is amazing. It's exactly the album I think that you talked about wanting to make. But yeah. were you sitting back kind of pinching yourself? Like, are you kidding me? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it was, it was all surreal. Like, you know, you, you don't, I've been doing this for such a long time. I think that that's the dream is you always want to see your name up there in the charts, you know, and, and um, even just top 40, like just to be in the, in the top 40, it's really what you want, you know, to be, um, to watch, you know, I, I worked for 10 years as an indie artist and, and then all of a sudden like you get your big break and then, you know, just to be considered top 40 is a big deal for most rock artists, you know, most people period just to be in the, in the top 40. So 
the fact that all my singles have broken into the top five or the top three even, um, it's definitely a, a bunch of pinch yourself moments where you just, you have no idea <laughs> what to expect. And like the fact that, you know, you, you, you come out and, and you're, you're now one of the, the, the biggest emerging artists in rock and roll, you know, that's a, it's a, it's a dream come true. You know, I'm always pinching myself. You talk about being an independent artist for 10 years. Now that you are becoming a quote unquote, like mainstream successful rock artist, is it easier for you to prepare for that because you were an indie artist for so long? Can you imagine having the last year of your life happen as a brand new artist? I, I couldn't. And that's why I, I really do feel for a lot, a lot of younger people. You know, there's a lot of kids who, who come up in, in like, you know, the Disney brand or the Nickelodeon or like, you know, they get prepped for more stardom. And then they take that and they move over into, you know, becoming, you know, um, stars in the music world. Um, so I couldn't really, I feel for people that, that are, are shot like Circle Bane, for instance, was not ready for that, <laughs> you know, and I can understand why he fell to the wayside when it comes to some of that stuff. It's like, you don't know what you're ready for. I mean, like, you know, you, you um, no one can prepare you for fame. No one can prepare you for what is on the table when you become, you know, famous through your art and uh, recognized for what you do. So I'm really thankful for the fact that I spent those 10 years grinding and preparing myself for this moment. I, I don't know how I would have taken it otherwise. You also have a chance to kind of solidify your band. And to yeah. not and to not make live mistakes because you've played so many shows where you're able to kind of make mistakes that now aren't plastered all over the internet. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah for sure. I mean, you know, and having played live, I mean, that was always my bread and butter, right? Like, play, play, my live shows were always on point. It was uh, it was a matter of figuring out how to put that on a record. You know, that was kind of like the uh, the part that I really had to learn. Um, but now it's like, you know, now we get out there, it's, it's butter, you know, it's like we get out there and it's, it's almost nothing because we're just like, that's, that's what we were prepared to do, you know? Um, and so we, you know, the, the hope is to keep making good records and then just to keep bonding with my band and, and really expressing that live. You know? When I see the tour schedule and the shows and the festivals that you have coming up, yeah. How do you go from being that live independent artist to kind of being a new artist to then all of a sudden go, okay, we're playing this. Right. <laughs> There's nothing that can prepare you for that, man. You just go out there and you do it, you know? And like, I think uh, I was a little more um, prepared for it than I think so my, 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 my bandmates were, you know, like they'd played before, but never at this scale, you know? And um, so me and my, my bass player had been, you know, we've been in this for a while. We, we've gotten glimpses of that over time, but this was a bigger deal. I think that nothing can really prepare you for that. You, you got to get out there, you do it. And, uh, you know, what really does help though over time is, is being able to open for bands like shine down and seeing how they do the big shows live, you know, that, that stuff you take away from that and, and you get bigger and bigger because of those cats. You know? I loved the Instagram picture you put up with Zach Myers and yeah. you guys were balling in front of the jet. Like, Oh, it's crazy. <laughs> when you just sit there and you're looking at Zach and you're on a private jet, what? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, we're, I'm asking myself the same thing, man. You know, and like Zach's just like cool in the cut, you know, Zach, this is his life now. You know, and it's like, I'm just like, oh yeah, I'm trying to play it cool. I think I told somebody, I was like, you know, I, I was geeking out in my head, but I had to play it cool because, you know, we're rock stars. And so, <laughs> so, but I was trying to play it cool, man. It was, it was an experience of a lifetime, man. I'm, I'm forever thankful for that. And, um, you know, me and Zach have become really good friends just because it's little stuff like that. I mean, not only the other shine down guys, one of a kind cats and they're super nice, almost like disturbingly nice. Right. Like I remember when I first met Brent, I was like, there's no way someone can be this nice. I thought he was faking. It. I really did. <laughs> they're like, I mean, there's no way someone could be this just gesturous and this nice, you know? And so 
he um it was it was actually a blessing. I mean, you know, honestly, he's such a really cool cat. All those guys are really great, but I think me and Zach formed a bond and a friendship. I think that's gonna last a lifetime. Well, you guys are both amazingly passionate about what you do, both great guitar yeah. players. But the other thing that you have in common is that you also have this amazing quiet part of your life where you have this amazing family life and young kids. Yeah, yeah. How has it been maintaining that through all this this year? That's it's it's um it's been it's definitely been a challenge. But, you know, my wife has been my rock, man. I mean, she's she's been holding it down for me and the family. I mean, like you know, it's been hard. I mean, she got COVID even when I was on the road. I almost came home off, off a tour because she got COVID and was taking care of a brand new baby and, and, a, and a two year old, you know. And so, um, you know, I'm thankful for her. I mean, like it's not not everybody can go through what what we have to go through um, as as individuals who are, are touring or, or, or have the family life that you have. You know, it's like really difficult. So it really takes a, a really strong person to be able to put up with all that. I mean, including the girls and, and all the other crap that comes along with that, you know, like that, that it takes a really strong person. So I'm, I'm, I'm so thankful that my wife um, has been in my corner and my rock and, and been as loving and as forgiving as she's been, because it's, it's difficult, man. It's not, it's not an easy task that, that we're asking of our partners, you know? And so uh, Zach has the same kind of thing with his wife and, and, and very much so with, with me and my wife. It's like, you know, we know that, that the, the road that we're traveling is a, is a very special road. It's one that very few people ever get to travel. And, um, you know, I'm very thankful that, that I have someone like my wife in my corner, you know, she, she, to, to love and, and care, care for me and cherish what we have. You know? When you and I met, we spent some time talking about our significant others and how neither one of them are real rock fans. And, (laughs) and, and, you know, both of our spouses being more country music fans, which is a little bit of a stretch for you and I with, (laughs) with everything that's happened over like the last year and a half, how has she been handling this whole new level of rock stardom? And has there been anything now that has she made her way more as a rock fan, basically? I think she's definitely opened up more as, as, as a rock fan. You know, she wasn't a huge, she wasn't huge in the rock before, but I think that just me being a part of it um, has kind of thrown her in a position to, to learn and, and explore this, this new genre, especially because it's like, you know, especially with lifestyle stuff. I mean, you know, we, we, you read about rock stars, you read about like the stuff they go through and it's like, you know, when she's like, why are you acting like an a-hole? And I'm like, go read about it. You'll see everything's crazy. You know? <laughs> so, I mean, she's definitely taking the time to figure out what's going on. And it means a lot to me because it's like, I'm going through something that a lot of people don't go through. And it's easy for people on the outside and to look and go, oh, you don't have to do that. Or, no, you don't have to do it. But I don't care who you are. You, you, can, you can resist as much as you want to. At the end of the day, it's um, you're, you're living at this extreme high. And it, it's something like, sometimes it can be hard not not to get, get carried away with it. You know? All of us here on the show feel like we're on this journey with you because we got to know you kind of before Child of the State came out. And one of the things that nearly brought me to tears, and I want to know what it was like for you, was the the Puget Sound soundtrack at the Kraken game. Oh, man. Yeah. I mean, now, now, being from Boston, growing up a Bruins fan, and knowing that hockey fans are rock fans, to watch yeah, your yeah, team yeah. come out on the ice to your song and to see the reaction of the crowd. Yeah, it was crazy. I mean, the first time I saw it, I mean, I saw it on Twitter uh, is when I found out about it. And it was, uh, it was, I mean, it was heartwarming. I, mean, I definitely shed a few tears just, just to like, to feel that, you know, to be, be from my hometown and like for an expansion team to, first of all, come to Seattle. I mean, that was a big deal for us, but just to, to be able to be considered as, as someone that, that the city took pride in enough to, to want to use my song as a soundtrack. I mean, it was unbelievable. 
I'm watching that going, oh my God. First of all, I was hoping you were there. And then when I found out you were watching it online like the rest of us, I was like, did, did you know they were going to do it? No idea. <gasps> I had no clue. No I way, no clue. really? Yeah, yeah no idea that was going to happen. Oh, well, now I'm hoping that you're going to be able to go there and do it live. Oh, man. You know, I, I actually got a chance to go play the, the national anthem there and uh, experience it for the first time live. And it was really heartwarming, you know, and it, which is funny because also a lot of cats don't realize that, that who I am or know what's, what's going on with me. You know, like they don't know that like this kid from their town, because Seattle's such an isolated place, you know, and, and it's like really into whatever Seattle's doing at the time period. So when a kid breaks out from their town, they don't really know what's going on until, you know, this, this, this moment happens. And so for me, it was, it was a big moment, you know, and, and uh, I got to go see it. And, and so a lot of people, I, I, I listened to Boyce and Media Sound sitting next to people that had no idea that I was the one that wrote and performed the song, you know, <laughs> in my hometown. So it, but it was an experience to say the least, you know, the Kraken organization took a really a real liking to what I do and, and it made me feel special. I mean, you know, put, put me on these ice, ice, um, they call them ice side seats, you know, and got to watch the whole game from there and like sit right next to the bench. It was amazing. It was amazing. When you look back at everything that's happened in the last year and a half since we met, is that the most surreal experience for you? What, what's the craziest thing that's happened so far that you're just like, uh, okay, hold on a second. Hey, what are we doing? <laughs> uh, I, I, that would probably be um, chatting with Mick Jagger backstage um, right, at, right, right before soundcheck at the, at the Rolling Stones gig. That was the moment for me. I think that would, that that's where I was like, I, I don't even know who we are anymore <laughs> at that point, you know, because, you know, you, you um, I mean, I mean, think about it. We, we were gone for about three months, uh, almost four months on tour. And in that short amount of time, I mean, things blew up. They got they, they got substantially big. Um, and so to be backstage all of a sudden and talk, I mean, we were we were going up for sound check. He's coming off for, for, from his sound check. He walked right past me. And he stopped and he saw me and talked and came over and talked to me. I was like, man, this is the guy right here, you know? And uh, that was a moment for me that I'll never forget. It was surreal just to be sitting there. I'm, I'm talking to Jagger, but not, not as a fan, as a peer, you know, and, and, and a fan, but, but as a peer, you know, as a person who, who like, uh, who, who, who saw something special in me and, and made sure that, that I was the one that, that opened for his band in a special moment. You know? Yeah. That's, that's kind of, cause he's not just famous. Like he's, generation he's famous to your parents like he's famous to your grandparents crazy well i want to talk to you about um the new single yeah because it's valentine's day and this song is kind of hilarious tell me the story behind this song you know it's a it's a song that was uh written by paul meany and a cat named Tarek, Tarek jafar um, and, uh, it was, I mean, it was just a silly song, man. You know, I, I, I enjoyed it because it definitely embodied a bit of my personality. Um, but it was more, you know, when I talk to those guys about it, I mean, like they didn't really give me too many details, but, um, we all, we've all felt that way at one point or another, man, when you're crushing on your, your friends, friends, you know, like that's, that's just like the thing. I think no one's really talked about that in the song. So, um, hot friends for me is just a sexy song. I mean, when I think about my music over time, it's been, I, I like to sing dark stuff. I sing about dark and heartbreak and, you know, like darker topics, you know? So for me um, to, to sing a song like this, it was just fun and goofy. I, th- I felt like it was so necessary, you know, and especially because like, listen, man, I mean, you're not, you're not making records unless, unless the ladies are bobbing their heads and, and shaking their hips. You know what I mean? So for me, it was important to make a song like that for the ladies as well. Well, there, that's been a, a thing in rock and roll that, that the, the times when rock kind of shunned ladies Rock suffered because we're huge rock fans, too. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. And we like having songs written about us. We just don't like hearing that you think our friends are hot. 
Well, maybe you are the hot friend. <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe you're the hot friend. Who knows? You know. <laughs> I started asking musicians and songwriters this question, and I'm dying to hear your answer. Um, yeah. Because you're such a great songwriter yourself, I want you to give me an example or two of songwriting that you consider to be perfect. A song from any genre, any artist, I don't care who it is, but a song that you're like, man, I wish I wrote that song because from the craft of songwriting, you think it's perfect. But then I want you to tell me why. Uh, I'm going to give you two, okay? Yep. Um, Stan by, uh, by Eminem was was one of the one of the, the, the greatest um most the most creative songs I've, that's ever been written of all time uh and then i'm going to give you yesterday by the beatles um and those are those, those two of the, the greatest songs ever written in, in my opinion um simply because for 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 stan eminem was known for for being this goofy character and like kind of you know kind of talking a bunch of trash and like you know being the provocateur um, but he had yet to really show like what he could he could put out there. And when Stan came out, I remember this unbelievable story um, where he switched, you know, it was able to, to embody two different characters and tell the story from, from one perspective. Amazing songwriting, in my opinion. And then yesterday, I mean, you can't I mean, that that is such a simplistic and basic song uh, when it when it comes to like the, the chord structures and all that. But it says everything it needs to say in, in those those little phrases, you know, yesterday. All my troubles seem so far away. I mean, everybody in, in, on the planet can relate to that at any given moment in their life, you know? So those are the two greatest songs to me. Did you watch that Beatles, Peter Jackson special? What was, did you love it? I haven't seen it yet. I, I, I've been recommended to, to watch that. I haven't seen it yet though. What about the Super Bowl yesterday? What did you think of the halftime show? Speaking <sighs> of Eminem. Lost I lost my mind. <laughs> I was geeking out. I was like, oh, finally something for us. Yes. And I was like, I'm getting old. Wait a minute. <laughs> I love the headlines today that people are shocked that Snoop Dogg got caught smoking pot right before it started. Like, why? Why is anybody surprised by that? Why would Snoop Dogg do that? Why would he he do that? That's insane. Who do you think he is? Were you cheering for the Rams because of their West Coast or who were you cheering for? Yeah, I mean, inevitably, I'm sure for the Rams for their West Coast, though. But, you know, you always want to watch the underdog, too. So Cincinnati was in my heart as well. But, you know, especially after after the Super Bowl uh, halftime, you couldn't you couldn't help but cheer for the Rams. You're like, they got to win now. You know? <laughs> so, you know? so tell me about um, for anybody that's seen the show and seen you on the road before this new this new tour now with COVID restrictions being let up in a lot of places. Now that more people are familiar with the album and your music, how are you changing up the live show now based on the size of the stage that you're playing? Oh, you know, the, the things that are cha- more, more crowd interaction. I think, you know, learning how to utilize our space more. I mean, you know, when you get used to playing on smaller stages, it, it, the sound is really good because you guys are compact, but like, when you when you try to get to a big stage and translate, you have so much space to fill up, and then um, the audience gets kind of bored. I mean, you you don't you don't realize like like you know one thing I should talk to my guys about as we're perfecting our show is like you know you have your own audience in front of you. You know, my guitar player has his own audience in front of him. I've got the center stage, and then my bass player is over here on the right side of the stage. You know, it's like we have to be big, I and mean, that's what being big is about. Yeah, if you want to be a big band, you got to be big. Um, so I think that's a, the the biggest one is like learning how to be a big band has been the the big thing for us, uh, especially with the COVID restrictions being let up. Like we really had to learn how to, how to get into get the crowd into it and interact with the crowd as much as possible and you're incorporating cover songs into it covering nirvana like you were talking about 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's important, too, because, you know, when, when cats don't know who we are, I mean, we're, we're a live band, but for brand new to the same majority of the audience, they're not going to connect to everything we do, right? We're going to play those first three of our, my original songs, but then we got to do something that, that they, they know because so that they, they understand that we get them, too. And that, that's why that breed cover is so important in, in the set list. Where is some place that you went on this past tour that you were shocked at the reaction that you got because you had either never played there before or you just couldn't believe the fans went as crazy as they did? Paris, France was it for me. Really? Paris, France was it. I mean, that was that was the biggest one. I never never stepped foot in Europe playing music ever, you know, like never been. I You know, it's, it's different in America where you, you had an indie career, you popped up here, popped up there, but to be in Paris and to have a, an audience full of people singing your songs and like just praising you the whole time I and mean, loud and in your face. It was beautiful, man. I mean, that, that was, um, out of everything I did that brought everything together for me. And last year, you know, everything I did, that was the moment when I was like, wow, this is really happening, you know, uh, because here we are overseas and, and it's a, it's a packed out crowd that knows your music, doesn't knows the intimate, but doesn't just know your music, they know every word to every song, you know? I think this might be the first interview I've done on the show where there's been a sleeping baby behind you. Yes, he's passed out. <laughs> oh, not anymore. He's awake now. <laughs> I, I thought for a second that it was a picture. There's two. There's two of them. <laughs> you, have, <laughs> you have these mirrors so that you can, like, yes. keep your they're eyes on babies. them. Oh, I my know. God. They're so beautiful. They're my kiddos. I love these kids. How have you been kind of wrapping your brain around the role of a new dad at the, during all of this? Oh, you know, you just do the best you can. I mean, nothing prepares you. I mean, from for from mother or fatherhood, you know, you never to be a parent. Nothing prepares you for that. You kind of learn as you go and then adjust to your lifestyle as you can, you know. And so, I think that's just it. I take the day at a time and figure out what they need um, every single day and try to provide for them as best I can, you know. Other than that, though, there's no playbook for. Them. I mean, they, they people would like to think there's a playbook, read a book or something about it, and like, sure, a book can provide some insight and into like the the science behind children, but it's not going to teach you how your kids are with you or with anything else, you know? So you have to like take the day at a time and have, and have an endless amount of forgiveness for yourself and your kids because it's not easy, you know? And you have a massive responsibility to expose them to the best music possible as they grow oh, up. Absolutely. absolutely. They, they've done some cool stuff already too. And they, they, they will continue to. Well, I know that you're like at the airport getting ready to go to Paris on Valentine's day. So I don't want to keep yeah. you. Yeah. It was so good well, to you. see you and catch up. It's so good to see you, good talking with you, and I, you know, I can't wait till we can see each other again. You know, I the know be the the tour with Shinedown and everything. None of the dates are coming close to me. So, what's going on? Are you going to release more dates? When am I actually going to get to see you live in person? I'm with Cole Winsel, uh, coming uh, so for some weekend dates this March, and then uh, again in April, we'll release some more dates. So, I think I'm, we'll probably see you sooner than later. Um, but there's a lot, a lot of dates heading out east and Midwest and South. So, we'll see you soon here. All right. Well, travel safe. Happy Valentine's Day. Kiss Happy the Valentine's kids. Day. Congratulations. And hopefully, you'll get that iHeartRadio award next month. Good luck. Hey, I'm crossing my fingers, you know. All right, Aaron. We'll see you soon. All right. All right. We'll talk soon. There he is, Aaron Jones, and the tour kicks off on Thursday, February 24th in Detroit, and he has got dates booked all the way through August, and just like you heard in the interview, more dates on the way. If you're looking for Aaron Jones online, all of the links to find him are in the show notes of this podcast. You'll also find the link to episode 20 of the Mistress Carrie podcast if you missed that episode, and there's a link for the corresponding playlist. Every full-length episode of the Mistress Carrie podcast comes with its own playlist that is filled with all of the music that we talked about in the episode. 
You'll also find all of my links for my socials and my website as well. And if you liked what you heard, don't forget to follow and subscribe to the Mistress Carrie podcast. New full-length episodes come out every Wednesday. Plus, every weekday, you get the sit rep, which is all your rock news, music headlines, and industry info in less than five minutes. Thanks once again to our sponsor, Digital Federal Credit Union. You can find them online at dcu.org. You can also join me live every Tuesday night at 8.30 Eastern on my Facebook page for my video show called Cocktails in the War Room. And new in the online store at mistresscarry.com, vinyl transfer stickers and pins. The Mistress Carrie Podcast, a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network.